February 20th. Our reading in the New Testament today will come from the book of Mark, chapter 4, verse 26, through chapter 5, verse 20. We'll read about reaping God's harvest. In his chapter-by-chapter Bible commentary, Warren Wearsby says it's our job to sow the seed. We cannot make the seed germinate and produce a harvest. Even a busy farmer must sleep and let God work. However, when the harvest is ready, we must be alert and reap it, or the harvest may be lost. And we'll be reading today about relying on God's power. Our faith in His Word is tested in the storms of life. If the disciples had really trusted His Word, they would not have panicked and accused Him of not caring. You can trust His Word, for it will never fail. And we'll read about the Servant, capital S, the Servant who comes to us. Jesus went through a storm to get to two demoniacs. These demoniacs needed His help, and He got to them. The demons begged not to be sent to the pit. The citizens begged Jesus to leave, and one healed man begged to be allowed to go with Jesus. There was a lot going on here. The citizens were concerned more with financial profit than with spiritual benefit. Imagine asking Jesus to leave you. Well, with that, let's leave our commentary and begin our reading today here in the New Testament. February 20th, Mark chapter 4, verse 26 through chapter 5, verse 20. Jesus also said, Here is another illustration of what the kingdom of God is like. A farmer planted seeds in a field, and then he went on with his other activities. As the days went by, the seeds sprouted and grew without the farmer's help, because the earth produces crops on its own. First a leaf blade pushes through, then the heads of wheat are formed, and finally the grain ripens. And as soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle. Jesus asked, How can I describe the kingdom of God? What story should I use to illustrate it? It is like a tiny mustard seed. Though this is one of the smallest of seeds, it grows to become one of the largest of plants, with long branches where birds can come and find shelter. He used many such stories and illustrations to teach the people as much as they were able to understand. In fact, in his public teaching, he taught only with parables. But afterward, when he was alone with his disciples, he explained the meaning to them. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross to the other side of the lake. He was already in the boat, so they started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm arose. High waves began to break into the boat until it was nearly full of water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. Frantically they woke him up, shouting, Teacher, don't you even care that we are going to drown? When he woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the water, Quiet down. Suddenly the wind stopped. 
and there was a great calm. And he asked them, Why are you so afraid? Do you still not have faith in me? And they were filled with awe and said among themselves, Who is this man, that even the wind and waves obey him? So they arrived at the other side of the lake, in the land of the Gerasenes. Just as Jesus was climbing from the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit ran out from a cemetery to meet him. This man lived among the tombs and could not be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrists and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to control him. All day long and throughout the night, he would wander among the tombs and in the hills, screaming and hitting himself with stones. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him. He ran to meet Jesus and fell down before him. He gave a terrible scream, shrieking, Why are you bothering me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? For God's sake, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, Come out of the man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked, What is your name? And the spirit replied, Legion, because there are many of us here inside this man. Then the spirits begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the evil spirits begged. Jesus gave them permission, so the evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the entire herd of two thousand pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake, where they drowned. The herdsmen fled to the nearby city and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. Everyone rushed out to see for themselves. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, but they were frightened when they saw the man who had been demon-possessed, for he was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane. Those who had seen what happened to the man and to the pigs told everyone about it, and the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. When Jesus got back into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go too. But Jesus said, No, go home to your friends and tell them what wonderful things the Lord has done for you and how merciful He has been. So the man started off to visit the ten towns of that region and began to tell everyone about the great things Jesus had done for him, and everyone was amazed at what He told them. Psalm 37, verses 30 through 40. We have been reading about trusting in the Lord, delighting in the Lord, and committing our ways to the Lord in order that we can rest in the Lord. And next, here in this passage of Scripture today, we'll learn what it means to wait on the Lord. His timing is perfect. I know it doesn't seem so many times in our lives when something seems very important to us and we fervently pray about it, ask God to respond in a certain way, and it just doesn't uh, seem to happen. That's because His ways and His timing are usually quite different from our own. 
The reason so many of us don't really know the will of God is because we're so busy and intent on letting our wills be known to God and asking Him to actually bless what we've already planned. In other words, we do spend an inordinate amount of time, many Christians do, asking God to submit to our will. And when He doesn't do it, we end up getting mad at God. Well, this is just the opposite of what a true believer does. A true believer trusts the Lord, delights in the Lord, commits his or her ways to the Lord, and then that believer can actually rest in the Lord and wait on the Lord. Let your will become His will. You will one day receive your inheritance. That's a promise. So be patient and wait on the Lord. always taking in offense after offense after offense after offense after offense and if you're not careful it will begin to damage your attitude and the person that you used to be that you could have been that you would have been that you were designed to be begins to corrode from the toxicity of the buildup of all the things that have happened to you you are blessed people we are we are blessed we are created in Christ Jesus we are created in Christ Jesus a unique individual there has never been another you there has never ever been another you thousands and thousands and thousands of years there's never been another you there never will be another like another you they can walk like you they can talk like you can get their hair done like you there will never be another you you are a designer's original uniquely and fearfully and marvelously made in Christ Jesus. You were created by a creator in his likeness and in his image. Because your creator made you in his likeness, you are creative. You are creative. You know you're creative when you can take a little bit of nothing and do something with it. We are creative. Throw us in the woods and we'll make trees in the tables. We are creative. We can take anything and make something out of it. We didn't have all of this equipment years ago. Our grandmothers had washboards and turned over pots and start beating on pots with sticks. And we made music. I don't care what you put us in. We'll turn it into something and make something out of it because we are creative people created in Christ Jesus we are creative until we collect so much offense that we are using all of our energy to manage our pain and all of the energy that could be going toward the abundant life and the progressive life and the promises of God that are in your life that your power is not being used in your destiny because all of your engines are exhausting power maintaining your history forgiveness is not an idea that that alleviates the, the perpetrator of his responsibility it is not about the perpetrator it's about liberating the victim it says you abused me once that was your fault but if I continue to regurgitate it over and over again that's my fault I'm not going to live in where I've been when I have an opportunity to cut the cord between me and you and live in where I'm trying to go forgiveness doesn't mean I agree with you it doesn't mean I think you were right it doesn't mean that you were flawless it just means that I have too much in front of me to allow the things behind me to leave me incarcerated and bound by you and 
I am not going to wait for you to forgive. I'm not going to wait for you to ask for forgiveness. You may not ask for forgiveness. I can't give you that much power that I put my life on hold waiting on you to come to yourself. I'm not going to wait on it. I'm not going to wait on you to pay me back. You may not ever pay me back the money. I'm not going to lose the peace over the money. I can get some more money if I got some peace. So I'm not going to give you that much power. Besides, some of the people we need to forgive are dead. If you're waiting on them to say, I'm sorry, they'll never be able to do it. But if nobody else cuts you loose, you got to be able to cut yourself loose and say, I'm not going to die right here. I am going to let it go. Psalm 37, verses 30 through 40. The godly offer good counsel. They know what is right from wrong. They fill their hearts with God's law, so they will never slip from His path. Those who are evil spy on the godly, waiting for an excuse to kill them. But the Lord will not let the wicked succeed, or let the godly be condemned when they are brought before the judge. Don't be impatient for the Lord to act. Travel steadily along His path. He will honor you, giving you the land. You will see the wicked destroyed. I myself have seen it happen, proud and evil people thriving like mighty trees. But when I looked again, they were gone. Though I searched for them, I could not find them. Look at those who are honest and good, for a wonderful future lies before those who love peace, but the wicked will be destroyed. They have no future. The Lord saves the godly. He is their fortress in times of trouble. The Lord helps them, rescuing them from the wicked. He saves them, and they find shelter in Him. Proverbs chapter 10, verses 6 and 7. The godly are showered with blessings. Evil people cover up their harmful intentions. We all have happy memories of the godly, but the name of a wicked person rots away.